things to discuss. You and I have been a lot of places since uh, since the last time we got together. Um, man, Alex, what are we talking about today? We were most recently together at uh, an event called the Velocity Invitational down at Laguna Seca in Monterey. Um, I was lucky enough to drive a car there, bring a trailer. It was a, a small sponsor of the event. Uh, you came down with your fam and we're hanging out. A lot of stuff on online and on Instagram, social media about it. So would encourage people to check it out. A lot of amazing cars. Uh, McLaren Formula One was there as they were two years ago. The feature kind of honored guest was Mario Andretti. Man, he drove, I don't know if it was a new F1 car, but maybe like a 14 or 15. He did some exhibition laps and he, he wasn't a goober. He was going fast. And that guy's 82 years old, about to be 83. Unbelievable. I mean, incredible. He, I mean, from what I understand, he still rips around in that two-seat Indy car. He's like a, didn't he? flip one of his son's indie cars upside down about 10 years ago. I mean, I think he's, he still whips it. Well, more recently, you said you, you saw him drive his 79, oh, 78, <clears throat> 9. So this was special. Uh, I'd love to give Velocity a little bit more. Maybe you can give us a little background on it because I know you know some of the organizers. Really cool event. Uh, we can talk about it a little bit. I thought it was amazing. But about four, it was four years ago because he's Formula One champ in 78. Uh, Lotus 79, the ground effects car was what he drove. The famous John Player special livery. Uh, and that, so in 18, it was the 40th anniversary of his Formula One championship. Um, one of only two Americans to win, I think, Phil Hill being the other in the early 60s in a Ferrari. And he was, you know, kind of, you know, I think a lot of owners do these for these cars, right? They, they want the driver who drove it in period to come back and drive it, give a little bit of, I don't, it wasn't the historics because we were hanging out together in the 2018 historic. So some vintage event, I think he lives in Pennsylvania, so they're flying out for this stuff. But I, I, He drove it multiple times. I believe I remember, don't quote me on this, that he later broke the transmission in it and the owner was maybe not very happy. But he was definitely hauling ass in 2018. So he would have been 78 years old at the time. And I was up the corkscrew. And, you know, the ground effects car, you know, it's really low. And I remember it coming through the corkscrew, uh, you know, scraping, sparks flying. And every lap he was picking up pace. I think he was supposed to be out for 20 minutes and ended up being out for like 40 minutes or something like that. And uh, by the, you know, as he picked up the pace, people were literally standing and cheering every time he was coming through the courts. It was awesome. I mean, it's in, seeing him in person, he, I didn't talk to him, but I was kind of nearby and he is an amazingly just short person, right? You, and, you know, Michael Schumacher is that way a little bit. These, these larger than life uh, world championship drivers are, you know, obviously race car drivers are not, uh, are not basketball players, but he's, I mean, he's, five foot one max max but uh he hopped in i don't know how much test laps he had before this event i can't imagine many and he was going exceptionally fast i, I was very impressed he's it's awesome. uh, quite something yeah very cool very cool a ton of cool cars at that event um 250 ln uh 250 short wheelbase uh, a couple of those uh 250 trs there was a gto going around the track Numerous. So, what, what do you know exactly what McLaren's McLaren has some association with this because there are a lot of McLarens there, not just the modern Formula One. Yeah, car. there are some people uh, that are uh, friends of the organizer that are McLaren dealers, so I'm, I'm sure they have an in uh, with some McLaren people. Uh, Zach Brown, who's the uh, CEO for McLaren Racing, head of McLaren F1, uh, is is a fan of the event. He was actually driving a Holden V8 supercar in my group, so and he was a pro driver, uh, I think, for ten or fifteen years before. He became the boss at McLaren and still still can wheel, still can can get around the track pretty quickly. 
Um, next year, I think, is McLaren's, there's some sort of 60th anniversary happening. Hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, they bring a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of resources, multiple cars. Mika Hakkinen is kind of their, I don't know, racing brand ambassador. He was whipping around. Um, F1s, there are two. There's a gray and a red McLaren F1 sitting in the paddock. I, only one I've ever seen in person. And then they had like an older, like 90s F1 car. Uh, I don't know if I saw. I maybe I saw it sitting it was, in the paddock. Doing, I don't think that thing was geared properly. It looked like it was uh, geared for spa or something yeah, like that. It seemed like it was it was not right, but it was still going plenty fast. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing um, assemblage of cars. And the thing that I liked the most that they did was they didn't have everyone park their transporters in the paddock. So the paddock just had tents, and all the cars were there. It, was, it felt a lot more approachable. There was a lot more space. Yeah, cool displays in the paddock. I wish the historics did that way. It was um, so my first time. You mentioned I brought my family. It was the first time my wife or any of my kids had been to a race, and they, I think it was it was a great event to take them to because of the approachability of it. And it wasn't you know, you know, at the historic sometimes you can barely move around, can't see anything. It's so packed, and all it's mainly transporters. That's mainly what you see with an occasional cool race car peeking out between them. So this was a great layout, and the way they had the uh, pit or the track entrance exit right in the middle of the paddock was yeah. really cool. The grid was right in the middle of the paddock. Yeah, so the, the paddock layout isn't like normal uh, US vintage events. They park all the cars together and all the transporters are a totally different side of the paddock. Uh, as Alex said, the, the uh, pre-grid, as it were, is uh, in the paddock. They don't do the hot pit like they do uh, in, in at Monterey or elsewhere, uh, which is great because the other way, it's super restrictive, the average uh, attendee can't go into the hot pit and be next to the cars when they're firing up their engines, get it ready to go out and track. This is the opposite. Anyone can walk around, check them out. Drivers are in there, right? Suited up, ready to go. So it's definitely different, different energy and, and super cool. So, but man, then I, then I was just thinking about Mario Andretti watching this guy at 83 years old, go turn in, you know, one minute, 10 second lap times. And obviously he's had such a storied career, but I didn't even realize half the stuff he had a, I totally forgot he drove uh, a GT40 at Le Mans in 1966. Totally forgot about that. Uh, here's a uh, trivia question for you, Alex. All right, let's see if I can get it. <clears throat> uh, Andretti is one of only two drivers to have won races in F1, IndyCar, uh, World Sports Car, so Sports Car at Le Mans, stuff like that, and NASCAR. Who is the other? It's not Foyt, because Foyt didn't drive F1. Is F1 included in that? Very good guess. It is not Foyt. Uh, Gurney? Correct. Yeah, okay. And you're uh, talking about you're talking about short drivers. He's a tall driver, one of the rare tall drivers, Gurney Bubble. Correct. Well yeah. done, Alex. Uh, Gurney won, but Gurney won Le Mans and Mario didn't. And he was trying as late as the 2000s. He was driving a Panos. I remember that because it's the one thing he didn't win, right? He's won the 500. He's won a Formula One championship, which Gurney never did. But Gurney won Formula One races. I believe Gurney's also the only guy to ever win in his own car that he built in the Eagle. But he also won in that crappy little uh, Porsche Formula One car that I like so much. Uh, that was the other thing that jumped off the page. I, who knew that in Mario ran Le Mans 2000? I thought he was I just, way Totally, retired, right? totally. Uh, I think because because that's the thing he was chasing, right? That's the thing he still needed to win. I think he's driven in it a bunch of times. I just don't think he ever won it. He's won NASCAR races. Do you ever? He never won a NASCAR championship. He certainly won NASCAR races. What won races? I, I mean, obviously, he ran Indy cars. I didn't. I forgot he ran so late. Like I think of like the golden era era of Indy cars as the Zanardi pass on Brian Herta, which was 1996. Mm -hmm. Mario retired 94, so he was, uh, uh, you know, definitely in that in that range. So it's pr pretty neat. Uh, and he, you know. 
I, my, my circle track buddies would kill me for not being better versed on this kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, his son, maybe there's, maybe his son still is running a, a IndyCar team. And, you know, he was out testing those things until quite recently. Uh, Mike, know, oh, Michael, Michael, that's Michael I mean. was, a, was a compass driver. Actually, another thing I didn't, I forgot was they co-drove a Porsche 962 Miller, the Miller High Life uh, 92. Shout out to Randy. Would love that. The car. gold car, right? The gold car. Correct. Yeah. Gold, gold, gold Miller High Life. Champagne yeah. beers, baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, uh, that was at Le Mans in the what late '80s, something like that. '89. Amazing. Precisely right. Amazing. That was father son team up. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Man, but they wish they'd won that one. So no, Velocity was awesome. Uh, I got to drive uh, my friend Ryan Turry, uh, who was the org- the general manager of uh, Velocity. His 2001 Porsche 911 Cup car, um, which was definitely a step up for me. Definitely the most serious car I've driven. My first real experience with kind of real racing slicks, uh, which are only uh, three thousand bucks a set. So I, I learned about uh, moving up on the the tighter budget ladder, uh, a little more expensive than buying Toyos for your spec Miata. But um, yeah, you told me it was all as fast as you ever want to go. Is that right? It was, you know, then you get used to it a little bit. I, maybe I want to go a little faster, but yeah, I don't, uh, I definitely don't need to go, nor do I think I could drive around in a Formula One car at any sort of traction, admirable speed. Traction control on that car? Uh, the cup car? Yeah. Uh, no traction control, but ABS brakes. So 996 got you ABS and six-speed proper three-pedal manual. 997 was sequential, uh, no ABS. I learned from some of the guys there that I guess... They think this, the sequential can be kind of tricky to operate Interesting. properly. So some of those guys convert to paddle. Wow. And I was like, why are you admitting that? Like, yes. that's just not, <laughs> that doesn't sound tight. Wait, so they, so your car, the car you were driving has a normal H pattern six speed in it? Correct. Wow. And you have to clutch in, clutch out normally? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's the clutch awesome. is definitely, it's definitely like a uh, on racing off, flywheel. No, 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 no. Uh, but but racing clutch and and super lightweight flywheel, but yeah, no, you're a lot of shifting. You're using you're using all of second, third, fourth, and fifth. No, oh, that's amazing. So, do they switch gears for a track like Laguna, or is it one gear set basically for that car? I'm, I mean, I, I was driving my buddy's kind of good, but I mean, kind of kind of clapped out cup car, which is fine. <laughs> sure. Uh, I thought it was fifty percent chance that thing would would the uh, motor would grenade would blow up. But then we were talking to Johan von Overbeek, who's the you know Porsche flying lizard guy, uh, and he assured me that they die slowly and I shouldn't worry. <laughs> so that's good. Is that a direct quote? Die slowly. They die slowly. <laughs> I love which that. is great. Yeah. Um, I guess they did. Uh, I had some. Uh, shop helping me out with just track support. I guess they did an oil analysis. Okay. And a little Blackstone laboratory. Yeah, well, no, we, yeah, we see those sometimes come through on like, you know, like the 46 and threes and yeah, stuff. I'm naming the only place I've ever heard of it. Uh, <laughs> I think they thought I was like more serious than I was. I don't really care. It's not my car. Like I'm just trying yeah. to drive around, not hit anything. They talk to you like you know what you're talking about. And I was like, so yeah, how was that oil analysis? And they're like, I was, you know, we, we did it. I was like, what was, uh, you know, what was, what are the, what were the you. findings? Yeah. <laughs> they said, well, there was uh, there were some findings. <laughs> Apparently, there was a meaningful amount of bearing material in the oil. Gotcha. So what does that mean? Metal shavings that in the oil? That means it's basically? dying slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. They're like kind of like uh, 
tiptoeing around telling me. I was like, I don't care. Like, great. Yeah. What's the, I mean, what's the upshot? If anything, I can say this car is way down on power. So whatever lap time I did, this car is way down on power. Just take off five seconds from whatever it is. (laughs) I was doing it all I could. Oh man, that's amazing. Uh, Any like kind of notable notable takeaways from being in a car that fast i mean you're, you're a spec miata guy that's like the pace of race car i've driven before so i mean this is a whole other level did you find it uh hard to get used to or were you able to uh approach the the performance limits pretty quickly mm, it took me it took me a session to get used to it but i would say i mean abs brakes is a huge insurance policy right so that's right. almost you're so spoiled with that yeah. um you know, you're just uh, you're you're going you're going pretty quickly with goes without saying. I mean, top so. of fifth gear, in fifth, 130, 140, 150 miles an hour on the front straight, something mm, like that. That car, yeah. I mean, uh, who was telling me uh, that they ran their Cup car at Daytona and maxed out in sixth gear at Daytona? Their same car w- would do one seventy nine is all is all she got. That's a lot of speed, though. So, I know, you're probably doing, yeah, you're at the top of fifth gear for your brake return, too, probably 135, 140. So, yeah, I mean, you want to be judicious with passing and stuff when you're going that fast. But no, it's super safe and it was super fun. So, a little faster uh, than an any Miata. Well, that's great. It's awesome. But I could probably run two full spec Miata seasons for what it costs to run that stupid <laughs> cup car for, you know, 30 laps in that event. But, you know, maybe alternate. Say la vie. Um, but from one portion to another, you were uh, you were doing a portion. You were down at uh, Lufka Gold. That's right. We're in the shirt representing Lufka Eight. There you go. Uh, Ocho, baby. Well, you uh, got in. So my uh, my buddy uh, James Longstaff uh, is one of the guys that organized it. He was actually telling me about the uh, admissions process, and they get something like eight or nine hundred uh, applicants, and are only able to accept I don't know what two fifty three hundred. So you were one of the I definitely had the worst car there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I, you know, I've got a long history with my car. It's got a bright color. They like to have bright colors. And what is your car? For all the listeners who don't know what a, what a <laughs> Porsche legend you are. Yeah, right. Uh, it is a 1976 912E, uh, the injected kind of ignominious return of the, uh, of the 912, the one-year stock gap between the 914 and the 924. Uh, but I was just talking to my son about it today, and I realized we've owned it. Uh, my dad bought it when I was in high school in 1999. It was 23 years old, and we've now had it for 23 years. So we've owned it for half its life. And I've put 100,000 miles on it over the last two decades. It's got a big motor in it and sports seats, and it's a. Uh, oh, you got your, you got your. Uh, what motor? Are you, what it's got a fat what? performance. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. fat cat, fat performance. Fat right, performance. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. did that like back in 17. Yeah, I've had it for quite a few years now. I mean, hot rod motor. It's like 160 horsepower instead of 80 or 90, which was stock. Um, so it's a lot faster than it was. But driven that car a lot. It's kind of an event car, and um, it's a, a weird color that not many cars came. It's called shamrock green. Uh, some people call it ascot green. So it's kind of a bright. 70s Porsche color and I think Lufka cult likes to trade on anyone who likes old Porsches air-cooled Porsches they like the the bright array the Skittles colors so maybe that's why I got in I always make sure to use my bring your trailer email address too uh you know it doesn't hurt doesn't I don't think that was your first time not for some attending the first time attending uh as a as an exhibitor no my that's this car's been to in in three Lufka cults oh wow yeah um, Jeez, make make room for someone else. I know. I kind of feel like uh, maybe maybe I should make room for somebody else. Robert drove it one year. Uh, that's when I took the VAT Emery Speedster. That car has been to also. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that was back again. Uh, our buddy uh, Eli from Auto Car Club had it there. He has a silver hardtop on it now. 
Oh, nice. Uh, it looked great. So how was that show? It was at the Port of Long Beach? Port of, yeah, Port of LA, San Pedro. Uh, I was kind of hoping it was going to be around all the shipping containers and it was kind of more a little bit of a parking lot setup. Uh, maybe anything would be a little bit of a letdown after the uh, uh, Universal Studios back lot, which was where it was last time I went. Um, but it was awesome. Amazing group of cars. Drove down with our colleague Robbie Pyle and his 67911S, which was also featured. Um, our colleague Beck also had his car featured as well. Well, we got three three BAT, three BAT uh, staffers in. And then like a ton of, many more this time I noticed, many more BAT kind of alumni. I talked to Felix Holst a little bit, our painter buddy oh, sure. uh, who sells the paintings on BAT. He was awesome. Uh, There's lots of beer consumed by all involved, myself included. Uh, really, a really amazing turnout. Um, tons of different stuff. Rod Emery had a bunch of cars there. The... Um, Oh, those carbon-bodied 993 things were there. I can't remember what they were called. There was one at Velocity, too. Gunter Works. Um, uh, they, they did some expo laps at Velocity. They were, like, drifting it. Are they meant to be, like... I don't know. I mean, I actually... I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I, they almost don't really look like they belong at a Lufka cult show because they're so modern-looking. I know they're based on the 993, but... And Mr. Guntar, he was... He was uh, I saw him chatting about the company, and they're kind of good. They're, not, they're, they're his own personal ima imagination of what yeah they had them, they had them parked big shock next to a singer or two right mm -hmm. so kind of in the same vein right like what can you do budget unlimited with a 911 air-cooled 911 to make it you know as crazy as it could be as much like a modern supercar as you as you want they had they were they had the gunter car out there with the like 03 wrc impreza with mccray's kid Driving Whoa. it. What was this a dirtfish car that was like correct. drifting? Yeah, I saw correct. videos of that. I missed that, but yeah. drifting through the corkscrew and stuff. Yeah, dirtfish brought out uh, six or seven rally cars and they did some expo laps and but were drifting around and it was pretty cool. Uh, that's awesome. I'm sorry I missed that. Uh, not much to say uh, about Luft other than, you know, it's a great, it's an interesting group of people, a lot of young people, a lot of tattoos, you know, for people who say young people and car culture is dead amongst young people, like they're not going to the they're not going to you know shows like Radwood or Lufka Cult where there's tons of young people. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm a lot of people younger than me. Uh, really cool cars, big showing. Um, uh, my personal fave was a kind of a barn find 904 in red with a Furman four cam in it. I guess mm. Rod Emery had just just put the motor back in it. Found in a barn in the I think in the Central Valley had a black California black plate with this last registration sticker from the 80s on it. Sick. Very sick. Parked nose to nose with a red Carrera six. And big presence from Porsche Motorsport, Porsche Classic there. It's very hard to tell where, like where, what, what cars, yeah, like what, mm -hmm. how much, it's actually part of the cleverness of it. It's hard to tell where the corporate sponsorship is exactly. Uh, they had, actually one of my favorite things there was Porsche Classic did have a little display and they had a completely stripped down bare 356 T6 shell uh that they cleaned up but they hadn't fixed all the rust off so you could see all the where they kind of where they rust you could see all the lead where they put the factory and put lead filler in the body so that was actually really cool i spent a lot of time looking at that um there were you know uh leica cameras was there and you know there were some kind of fancy brands but they're shoved into the corners a little bit it was mainly about the people and the people who love porsches and it's freaking la man so it was sunny and gorgeous weather and it was a cool place and Maybe the most fun part is when you're coming in and when you're leaving and there's like 200 air-cooled 911s all idling. You can see the oil smoke in the air and everything. You know, that's like almost the most fun part. And then when everyone's leaving, you know, there's like 400 911s like going off. There are, you see them all on the freeways. I drove almost all the way back to San Luis Obispo in company with a white 914.6, a hot rod uh, 356. You drove back same day. Same day. Sick. 
So that's fun. You like kind of run into those people, you know, and in the morning when you're driving out at 6 a.m., you see, oh man, there's a 66 short wheelbase. And I don't, you know, you run into all the other people converging on the same spot, which is really yeah. fun. Amazing. Uh, well, from, from a, a successful event to one that was uh, uh, cut short, I was actually all jazzed and ready to go to our uh, last alumni gathering of the year uh, in Newport, Rhode Island, in conjunction with the O'Drain Concours. And I actually had to cancel that a week before, and I was back in California, so I was bummed I couldn't make it. You and a number of other uh, BIT staff from San Francisco, and then a number of other people from elsewhere around the country, Midwest and uh, and the East Coast showed up in Rhode Island uh, on Thursday. And what happened? Emphasis on the rain in Audrain. Yeah, we got rained out a little bit. Um, we canceled. We canceled this. We event. canceled it. They canceled their cars and coffee the night before it was supposed to happen, and our event was in association with their cars and coffee, so we had to cancel too. It was really a bummer, um, and a lot of people were disappointed. Actually, in our merch room, about thirty feet away from Howard and I. Uh, our colleagues are packing up all the shirts. We're going to mail them out to all the folks who we had to cancel on. We feel really bad about it and apologize for that. But it did actually end up kind of raining pretty severely the morning of the event. Like but even if we wanted to do it, the, the park that was hosted in was was closed. The so. state park was like, do not send people. Yeah. Do not come here. We are closed. We will have no staff. So it was basically our hand was forced. But some people still showed up. Some hardcore. Hardcore, hardcore showed up. And we, brought, showed we up. brought out some coffee and donuts. We knew some people wouldn't get the message. So we were there to kind of greet them. But it was basically a couple dozen people huddled under a tent in the pouring rain. Um uh, uh, just kind of waiting to, to get out of there. It did clear up later in the day. We were able to go hang out at the museum, which was cool. Couple nut, couple dozen nut bags drove there. You know, there's a, a rally for um, uh, uh, vintage cars around the, the, this is in Newport, Rhode Island, around the Newport area. And like 60 cars still did the event in the pouring rain, including a open Model J Duesenberg, a Bizzarini 5300, like, some you know really interesting cars that went out in the pouring rain and did this. Did and this you drive. went to the uh, show on Sunday or no? Uh, no, I didn't make it to the show on Sunday, which is too bad because it's at the Breakers, the famous big Vanderbilt mansion. I think one of the biggest mansions of the Gilded Age, uh, right there. Have you been to Newport before? Never. That's why I wanted to go. And yeah. let me tell you, when I saw the weather report and saw the post that it was canceled, I was like, I was so happy. I <laughs> made the decision. I mean, what, I what mean, a schlep to to be turned away, but. It's a bummer. Totally. It's a bummer for everyone. The, the hang, the hang with the people we did get to hang with, both our colleagues, but also with like a lot of BAT users and fans. I mean, friends. We met a lot of them. We met some of the Audrain people. Shout out to B Mercer, to Ben Mercer. Uh, we got uh, to talk to a couple of folks there, and so it was. Uh, it was still really cool. And the place itself, Newport, was amazing. Uh, we had some amazing seafood, great bars. It's very different for a California kid to go to a city that's actually, you know, I mean, they were. It was a bustling city when California was unsettled by by Europeans. Um, so uh, it was cool. It was really clam cool. chowder and some oysters. Absolutely had both. Had some mussels. Became a muscle guy. Never liked mussels before, but now I'm a convert. They were amazing. But anyway, bummer on that one. And it would have been fun to hang. You would have enjoyed it. You would have enjoyed the the town. The venue, the museum is really sick. Um, so uh, kind of a bummer. Maybe maybe we'll be able to do it again another year, and the weather will cooperate. Man, well, so that's kind of a little event update. Uh, what else we got, Alec? We, oh, by the way, we, we getting beers after this? You around? 100% we're getting beers. Okay, good, good. I was on the verge of cracking one for the podcast, but I decided probably we, we can wait. 
I can, yeah, I can it's still, we're still in working hours here. Friday, Friday afternoon. It's, we're still nine minutes to five o'clock, so I'll behave myself for a little bit. Let's talk about some stuff on the site, Howard. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've, uh, I guess one of the reasons we've, it's taken us three months to do another podcast is we've been uh, shoveling here every day, uh, you know, working on the auction business. We crested for the first time 800 auctions in a week, which is crazy to think about. Um, if you would ask me a year ago, if we'd see 800 uh, in 2022, I probably would have said no chance, but lo and behold, here we are. And thanks to Alex, you and your team and uh, everyone working every day to make it all happen. Uh, the car market's interesting now, right? I mean, it's still super strong, but uh, crazy times in the world. And uh, right, it's whenever someone talks about the market as a single uh, entity, right? They, they miss a lot of the nuance and it's, it's not as simple as it's either going up or going down, right? People yeah. want to know, is it going up or is it going down? <laughs> And uh, it can answer, be, but it can be doing both at the same time, right? Depends, depends what you got. Yep. I mean, we could talk about the, I have it on my little cheat sheet list here. We talked about the JDM collection we had. We had in that collection of our first NSXR we've ever uh, auctioned, and that car did really well, right? So there's some stuff that's rare. You're not going to find another one. This one happened to be Brooklyn's Green, which is not a car I even knew existed. Well, right? so I thought the Holy Grail was an Ari edition, but it makes another Holy Grail is. NSXR Brooklyn. Yes, it is the holy grail for me. Man, I was drooling over that car. And, uh, you know, it did really well. Sold for 300, 300 grand. grand. Yep. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it's like the market's strong there. Find another one of those, right? And a lot of the other cars did well, too. We had a part of that collection was um, uh, whatever that rare uh, spec R32 Skyline was. Mm -hmm. uh, N1, I think is what it's called. Yep. The car did 230 or 240 grand. So a couple of great results there. And, you know, I mean, when you come across that car, it's kind of a one, one time, one chance purchase, right? Mm -hmm. So people are going to swing for the fences on those, I think, regardless of what the, the market is doing. But yeah, on the creation side, it's, it's challenging. And for buyers and sellers, it's challenging to kind of uh, discern what's going on. And, you know, the future is always uh, uh, unknowable and unpredictable to a degree, but uh, we see stuff that, right, like uh, uh, Ford GTs, uh, 2018, 2020, they're, you know, kind of off their peak, still selling strong, but but not as strong as they were, uh, you know, BMW Z8s are a little soft, right? Your, your 993 C4S, you know, might be 135 now and not 175. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But then on the, on the other side of the coin, right? Like Dodge Demons are still as strong as ever and, and don't, and are, you know, have as much momentum as anything. Um, what else? I mean, D, like late nineties or two thousands Diablos still super strong. I mean, we're not seeing, um, we're not seeing a huge dip on those. So, well, and, you know, we, we had that Coon Talk this morning uh, that sold, and the um, I mean, a similar car, also black, that sold a couple weeks ago for that did like five seventeen today, and the one a couple weeks did you know five eighty. Correct. And we're pretty pretty similar. But cars. I mean, three or four years ago, I remember when we were auctioning our first couple Countaches, they were like two hundred. They were like two hundred. We had one that didn't even bid to two hundred. That was just a couple of years ago. So, you know, if you think about even just kind of the medium term. Um, still like your, your wide body 993 is a great example, right? Our colleague Zach sold one for 75 or 77 grand a couple of years ago, and it seemed like a crazy result. Now they're 2x that. And it's funny, and we've had some like taking that, yeah, 993 C2S, C4S, those have shot up in value. We've had some great examples, great results. And now maybe that's, you know, coming off the peak a little bit. And now cars, 
that are bidding to prices that would have been astronomical 18 months ago are kind of ho-hum and yep. like, what happened with yeah, this? Totally. What, a, what a disaster this totally. was. And it's like, wow, like this yeah. is, you know, this is double what it was worth in, in uh, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end of 2020. So, yeah. I mean, I work here, so maybe I'm a little overly sensitive to it, but I do try to think about the larger context, right? And it is interesting. There's a human nature piece of this, like how quickly people recalibrate what something is worth. I'm air quoting. Uh, listeners can't see that, right? But it's, it's um, you know, uh, I, I still try to remind myself that I actually like a lot of these cars. And so it's actually, you know, I'm perfectly comfortable with uh, uh, with uh, values that seem a little bit more approachable on some cars. It's also uh, like directional and like rate of change, right? Like when gas is going up totally. like from $3 a gallon and then it's five and oh my God, five, and then it goes to seven, but at five, you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. Yep. But then when it goes from seven back to five, five seems like an oasis, right? Yep, uh, that's so. exactly right. It's all, yeah, it's all uh, comparative. What's the cheapest you ever remember seeing gas? as a kid you remember sub one dollar gas well uh around that way i was i'm, I'm uh, follow other uh podcasts and we stuff about financial markets and and other stuff and uh was reading about the whole thing going on in the 70s and the uh, what oil was doing in the 70s um oil were like 40x uh from like 1968 to 80 or i don't quote me on that but something something nuts and then didn't return to its, it took oil, you know, 30 years until 2004 to return to its level that it was at in, you know, 1974. Was that $100 a barrel? $100 a barrel always seems like the, the uh, that's like the, the kind of bogey. Well, it was, it went from like $1 a barrel to like 40 a barrel in the 70s. Wow. And um, so right, it's, it's crazy. You, you think you, things only go, go up, but. Uh, it ain't it ain't always that way, man. Youngest uh, lowest I've seen gas, maybe two fifty a gallon. Oh wow! Yeah, but yeah. like like in some remote highway in the yeah, northeast yeah. corner of Utah. I'm thirty nine years old, and I remember as a kid seeing ninety nine cent ninety nine cents a gallon. So yeah. I'm old enough to remember that it was a price war. You know, like where where there's the gas stations on two opposite corners. You know, one had like horse rides and the other one had a bounce house and one was 99 cents and one was a uh, like a dollar nine or something like that That's you get so screwed in in uh this is in california like the bay area new york like gas is dead sorry we're not turning this into a podcast about gas prices but uh <laughs> why not howard like in san francisco gas is still seven dollars a gallon yeah a lot of places or at least sixes and that ain't the case. Elsewhere. Well, every state has their own gas taxes, right? Different thing. We have our own refineries too, right? So if a refinery in California goes down, which I heard happened recently, that spikes the prices in your area. But getting back to, to cars, I mean, you, you know, what's always been true is that uh, a superb uh, example, whether it be super original, super low mileage, amazingly restored, some combination of all those things uh, can do exceptionally well, no matter what kind of macroeconomic environment you're in. Uh, so an example of that for me was we had uh, a 70 Challenger RT 426 Hemi, uh, kind of the iconic uh, 70 Challenger that did uh, 500,000 bucks, which uh, I mean, the car, we didn't think the car was gonna be, was gonna be cheap, but that was a superb result, but, but deservedly so, because this car kind of ticked all the boxes. And I was gonna ask you about that one. This seemed like a crazy result for me just in general, what's the, the color? I mean, the car looks fantastic. What's the color? 
That color is amazing. That's exactly what you want your Mopar in. Uh, I mean, I think it's Hemi orange, uh, and that's got the 426 Hemi motor, right? Four speed. Um, and man, is this the car that is that is that Nash Bridges or that was that was a convertible? Oh man, I yeah, I'm not up on my Nash Bridges. Oh, Nash man. Bridges is what? School me on Nash Bridges. Who's the star of Nash Bridges? Uh, no, now you got to do no, it. Oh, no. well, uh, Don, Don Johnson. Don Johnson. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Driving before, before, Dude. after he was driving his Testarossa and the fake Daytona. Well, the best thing on Nash Bridges is filmed in San Francisco, and so it's like if you're from SF, it's it's great, great cameras of the city. He's cruising around in his. No man, God, I need to check that out. Well, hold on. Well, well, now you've got me all fired up on Don Johnson. I want to talk about <laughs> white suits. Should we go from from the Mario and Ready? We can yeah, to the to the Don Johnson. <laughs> yes, get on Don Johnson. But wait, hold on. Let me <laughs> let me name another car that's in the exact same bucket about what you were talking about. That was a. Uh, 67 Porsche 912 five-speed short wheelbase car, blue. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. No reserve, uh, yeah. like, you know, kind of unrestored, uh, long-time family-owned, 40,000 miles, probably uh, uh, actually the, the real mileage on the car. And it sold for over $200,000, right? Which has to be close to a 912 record, I'm sure. So, yeah, TLDR, Porsche 912 sold for $200,000. <laughs> uh, and it was the best color, and it was super original, and the same thing, right? Right, find like, another one like that, yeah. right? There's, yeah. There ain't many left, and especially 912s. Everyone drove the crap out of them, and they're all beat up and rusty. All right, you got D. Johnson up there? What do we, go, what do we got going on? What do you want to know? He's from Flat Creek Township, Missouri. How old now? 73? 72. Wow. All right. I was yeah, pretty that, close. Wait a minute. You, you don't know about uh, Nash Bridges, but you know his Well, age. I know about Miami Vice because uh, I've become kind of a Michael Mann devotee. And, you know, he was the guy behind, you know, in the air tonight. You know, was it real? Was it real? All that, you know, that kind of changing. Sonny of Crockett. But he, he, won, he, won, he won a golden globe for that. A lot of people forget. Yeah, dude. Uh, he was also in Tin Cup for all the golf. Oh, that's there. right. But he's I mean, the he's the dick bag in Tin Cup. He's not the uh, he's not um, the hero. His costume. God, Tin Cup is great. I Tin Cup is that. epic. Tin Cup and Twister. I think we need to go watch. I, I rewatched Twister recently, and it it holds up. That was I fell in love. Just tie that one into cars. I fell in love with the uh, that was the retro Ram in '92 or '94 when those came out. He had a brand new red long bed extended cab Dodge Ram Paxton R.I.P. Paxton. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. uh, sorry, I, I was totally wrong. It was it wasn't a he drove a '71 Barracuda convertible in in. Nashville. Oh, that's pretty good. I mean, it's it's in it's in the strike zone for that. So yeah, good cars for Don Johnson. Have you seen the 06 Michael Mann movie version of? Uh, Miami Vice, which is almost unwatchable. It's barely a movie, except that it's a recommend or do not recommend. Highly recommend if you want like ambient. Everything's shot at night. Uh, it's uh, Colin Farrell and Jamie Fox are Tubbs and Crockett, and they cruise around in a four thirty Spider uh, all over Miami, always at night, drinking mojitos. It's amazing, uh, but also barely has a plot. It's an amazing film, though. What else we got, Alex? We got a we got a Ferrari F forty live. Uh, that's notable. Stuff. That's notable. Yeah, very notable. Uh, been a really strong showing in our in our premium listings recently. Just tons of good stuff. Want to talk about Jose's collection a little bit? He's got a bunch of interesting German cars live. Driver source. Uh, yeah, he's doing the uh, Octomotor Fest collection. Which what do we got in there? I like we had a few end. He had a, he had a, a 911 E soft window. Yeah, that was really interesting. Not a, a nice car turbo. even existed. A long wheelbase. 911 soft window targa which was not a thing that i knew existed until m bomb our buddy mike bomb wrote about his uh soft window 69 911 s this was an e 
soft window targa, uh, brown, cocoa brown, really cool color. Some turbos. We had a very low mileage 930 turbo end today, 11,000 miles, something like that. Yep, black, black turbo. Killed uh, it on a low mileage 928 the other day. I saw it too. Automatic S4. Over, that, was, over, that was a big result. Over huh? 100 grand, I think. That so. was a big result. Got some nice uh, Benzes, 280 SC35 cab, uh, SLR McLaren Roadster, uh, SL65 AMG Black. We sold a number of those. Those are those incredible. Are super sick. I yeah. Mean, we screwed up in the description on that and called it a roadster. Jose had to collect, co correct us because they fixed the hard top on those. They've got a permanent uh -huh. hard top instead of the folding hard top that come on SLs, which is awesome. Uh, really cool car is an 84 Alpina B6 2.8, which is uh, just super hyper BMW Alpina dork car, but in the best way. And uh, and uh, let's see, is this didn't, I didn't even know about those. I was yeah. literally looking at that today. So I, I it's was, very cool. I was asking somebody if that's an M20 based motor because I'm a little bit on the sacrilegious side. I'm not the. And it's an 84, right? It's an early E30. So this this is a, it, it's an E30 body two door. But with um, a two, I think it's still the M20 and it's stroked to 2.8 uh, and it's over 200 horsepower. I'm not a huge E30 M3 fan. This is, so is, is like, 2.8 B6 slash 2. So maybe a version of I think it's, I, I, well, you know, Alpina builds their own motor. So I would guess it's based on the M20, but I'm not exactly sure about that, right? Because the next motor would have been an M30, which is a three liter. Um, but this car has the window sticker from Alpina uh, detailing sick. every 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 piece so of sick. equipment. It's it's pretty awesome. I, I will take stuff. that over an E30 M3 all day. Six cylinders, man. That's what you want in your BMW. You want a six. I know that's going to offend people. Uh, and then he's got everything on down to a, a 79 280 E uh, and a BMW Isetta. So uh, something in there for everyone. It's great stuff and great photography, as always, from Driver Source. Man, I love their in motion lead shots they're so fantastic oh man we need we need uh we need our pal zach here to uh to let us know what else is going on but uh maybe, maybe we're, well hopefully it won't take us another three months to do another <laughs> one of these but uh, it's dependent on you howard uh but i uh, i hope we can do another one it's always fun awesome well uh we would love to again email us at podcast at we'd love to hear your questions suggestions um I'm trying to pull this up, but I'm not going to be we able to. We should try to do an, in, we should solicit questions sometimes, Howard, uh, sometime, Howard. I think it would be, there's so much that you and Zach and I could speak on. You know, people ask us questions all the time at events and almost anytime I run into somebody, including at Luf Colton at Velocity, they always have questions about how BAT works and we should solicit those sometime and do, just do a whole podcast answering people's questions about how it works and what we think about things. And I, I know there's a lot that the community would like to know. All right, let's try to do this next week. All right, let's try, yeah. let's try to get a little cadence going through the end of the cadence, year. Cadence, tempo. Let's, let's, tempo. Cl let's close out Q4 on the year strong in the podcasting front. Love it. All right, All right. ladies and gents, thanks for listening. <laughs>